Well, you know, over the last several weeks, we have been in a series this entire summer, really, entitled Travel Light. And what we've been looking at and learning is that life is a lot like a journey. It's a journey that we pack up for. We pick things up along the way, and we don't just pick them up, but we pack them up. Unfortunately, we also have the tendency to overpack in life. Life becomes heavy. It becomes burdensome. We grow weary. And the truth is that that's not God's will because those things eventually become what we carry in the soul, right? And so over this, the last couple of weeks, we've been learning a lot about some things that we need to unpack. And today as we come to an end in this series, we are at a crossroads, ladies and gentlemen. It is a point of decision. It is a point where your life can change for the better, where you can become uh, what God has called you to be, where you can discover your purpose, where you can take a turn for the better in life. And the question that we have to consider as we get started here is, if we are supposed to unpack all the things that we've been learning about over the last several weeks, what exactly are we supposed to carry? And I want us to turn back to the words of Jesus, because the answer's been there all along. In Matthew 11, verse 28, he starts off by saying, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you what? I will give you, come on, say that with me, rest. He says, Take my yoke upon me and do what? Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That is so important because what Jesus is telling us is that the solutions to life do not happen in our external circumstances. Come on, believer. Come on, child of God. Come on, you who, who maybe you don't know God. Maybe you don't believe in God. Maybe you, you've strayed from your faith. Whoever you are, the truth be told, when you get a, re a resolution to the things on the outside, when your problems go away, do you truly find rest? And the answer is no, because rest doesn't happen in the external circumstances. Rest is not relief from our problems. Rest is a solution that only God can enact in the soul. And it's for that reason that Jesus says, my yoke is easy. My burden, watch this, my burden is light. I want to give you a life that is light. I submit to you that what we're supposed to carry along for the journey of life has been right in front of us all along. The answer is in the words of Jesus. It's the reason why Jesus implores us to learn from him. To learn from him. To learn from him. You know, if you think about it, life is experienced by the lessons that shape our current experiences. Let me say that again. Life is experienced by the lessons that shape our current experiences. Think about this. How we think, what we do, how we behave, how we respond to life, all these things reveal the lessons that we're carrying, the lessons that we're depending upon. I want you to answer this very quickly. Two plus two equals four. That's a lesson you learned. It's a lesson you carry. It's a lesson you depend on. 
Are you getting where I'm coming from with this? And so the lessons that, that lessons are what shape our current experiences. And that can be good or that can be bad. Jesus says to us, learn from me. You know what he's telling us? Replace what you think you know with what I'm trying to teach you. I remember many years ago when Pastor, Nine, Pastor Ned and I uh, first got married, um, I had it was probably days after we were married, had gotten back from our honeymoon. Uh, I came home after a long day at work, and my wife, you know, my loving wife, she had made dinner. And she made spaghettis, right? Spaghettis and meat sauce. Smelled good, looked good, and I sat down, and she serves me, and I said, where's the rice? <laughs> she says to me, who eats rice with spaghettis? Now, you have to understand that my mother was a wise woman. We didn't have much growing up. And so my mother was slick. My mother put rice with everything. For crying out loud, we ate rice with eggs. I mean, we did that. Oh, some of you know what I'm talking about. But it was rice with everything. It was rice with soup, rice with spaghetti, rice with lasagna, rice with meat, rice with ketchup. Rice, rice, rice. There was always rice. So my wife says, I, don't, I didn't grow up that way. And I said, well, I did. And she says, well, I'm not your mother. <laughs> that was all a result of how I grew up. But let me, let me be honest. I also believed and had learned growing up. I had come to believe that I was poor. That I was poor. And so that we were disadvantaged, and so I never tried to reach out for opportunities. I believe I could. I also carried the lesson that I was insignificant. So in all my relationships, I made it a point to leverage control by any means possible. What's my point with that? We all depend upon lessons that we carry. And Jesus says, what you learned might be getting in the way of what I'm trying to teach you. The guarantee is this, if you'll learn from me, Jesus says, I will give you rest in your souls. And this is no ordinary rest, my friends. This rest that Jesus speaks about in the Greek, it translates to mean it, it's a life that is agile and quick. It's one that you can maneuver and navigate easily. I didn't say that it will be easy, that there won't be trials, that there won't be challenges. Listen, that's part of the journey of life. But the truth is that you can face any circumstance and navigate through it with ease because you have a God that is working for you, that is leading you, that is guiding you, that is showing you a door where you see none. So, if rest is what we seek in the soul, then it stands to reason that we must be teachable. Teachable. 
willing to learn. Today, I feel that God wants us to lean in. To get to a place where we accept and know that, God, I need you above all. And so, God, I will be teachable. Today, I want to speak to you on the topic, a teachable heart. A teachable heart. And I want us to look to the scriptures in Proverbs 13, 8, because we're going to see the power of a teachable heart. It says, poverty and disgrace come to him who ignores instruction. Listen to this. Poverty and disgrace comes to him who ignores instruction. But whoever heeds reproof is honored. Is honored. Is lifted up. Is exalted. They rise again and again and again. The truth is, if we look to the word of God, what we see here is that life gets heavy and hard when we are unteachable. See, when we are teachable, the scripture guarantees it leads to honor. It changes your life. It's for the betterment of our lives. That is God's desire. It is God's will. So if life is experienced by the lessons that shape us, and it is, and you don't like your current experiences, my friend, I submit to you that you've been operating according to the wrong lessons. You've been depending on the wrong teacher. And you see, therein is where the rubber meets the road because we are faced with an invitation and an opportunity at the same time. Jesus says, come to me, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, rest in the soul. He says, learn from me. My friend, may I say this to you, whether you are here or online, there's no judgment, there's no condemnation in this, but there is no better teacher than God himself. We must look to God. And we must seek to learn from him. Amen? Amen. And so the Bible gives us a great example of the benefits of having a teachable heart. It comes from the life of a man named Solomon. Now this guy Solomon was a king. And from the beginning of his reign, Solomon could have easily become a failure. The beginning of his reign could have been the end of his reign in one single moment. You see, Solomon was young. Solomon had many enemies who despised him. Solomon lacked experience. Solomon was unprepared. And yet, though he lacked in so many different areas, Solomon possessed the one trait the one ingredient necessary to make up the difference in his weaknesses and his deficits. Solomon had a teachable heart. 
Now, unfortunately, and I don't have time to get into this and I won't, if you study his life, he started right but ended wrong. See, you can start at a place of teachability and become unteachable. You know what that's called in many circles today? Christianity. We start with a teachable heart. And then we get to a place where I know, 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 and we don't. We don't. We become hard-hearted. And so Solomon, the scripture reveals, had many concerns upon becoming king. See, it wasn't just the management of the kingdom and the daily affairs. It wasn't just the matters that were looming ahead. Solomon also had to deal with what he believed about himself. Solomon felt inadequate. He felt unprepared for the journey ahead. And I think that we can all relate here because we've all faced it. As leaders, as parents, as husbands, as wives, as mothers, as fathers, as Christians, as people. It's common to us. And it's for that reason why we so often pick up baggage in the first place. You see, what we pick up is our attempt to placate, to medicate, to address the burdens and what makes us weary in life. We pick up more believing that it'll make life lighter. I'll pick up more hours. I'll pick up more friendships. I'll pick up more things. I'll pick up more opportunities. And before you know it, you are so weighed down and you are trying to keep everything together that you yourself are crumbling from deep within. It's a sickness of the soul. It's our attempt to fix, to ignore, to fill the voids that only God can address. And so you see, though Solomon felt inadequate, though he had weak points and though he lacked experience, it did not preclude him from God's good plans. And my friend, the same is true for you and me. But it starts and it ends and it consists with a teachable heart. Consider the scriptures. 1 Kings chapter 3, starting at verse 5. Solomon has just been appointed king and he's got worries. And it says, At Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream and God said, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. And Solomon answered, You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in his heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. But I am only a little child. Listen to what he's saying, because Solomon wasn't a kid when he became king. He says, I am only a little child, and I do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant 
a discerning heart. To govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you have asked for this, and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and administering justice. Hmm. I will do what you have asked, and I will give you a wise and discerning heart, so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. Consider this. Solomon's lack of experience and understanding was not a deterrent to his success as a king. That's what he lacked when he started. But that, that did not preclude him. That was not a reason for him not to be all that God had called him to be. My friend, let me just say this to you. Whatever you think you lack... God is big enough to make up the difference. He is. Whatever you don't know, you can trust and believe and be confident that God knows. And it is his will to lead you and guide you. He has better for you. And so Solomon, Solomon's lack of experience and understanding, they weren't a deterrent. See, the only one that could have stopped Solomon was Solomon, had he been unteachable. You know, one of the most vile words that we can say as believers is to claim that I know, I know, I know. Because even when you think you know, my friend, there's something we don't know. May that remind us that we need God. We need his wisdom. We need to be teachable. And so Solomon chose to be real with God. He recognized his lack of God's wisdom. And in essence, he asked God to teach him. What we see is that it changed the remainder of his life and it enhanced his life in every way. And so we have to consider, how do we become teachable? How do we start on the path to having a teachable heart? And I think that if we're going to truly go down that path, and I pray that today you do, that today you make that decision, that today... You get past your, your weaknesses, you get past your faults, you get past what you think you lack. We get past our excuses and we get very honest with God and we say, God, I may not have it together, but God, you do. And I rely upon you to teach me. I ask you, teach me. 
teach me, and we remain in that place of teachability. But if we're going to start there, we have to start with a question that serves not only for reflection, but also challenges us to apply something different in our lives. And the question is, are you teachable? Are you actually teachable? Are we teachable people? According to the words of Jesus, we can travel light. And we can conclude from his invitation that if we are to travel light, we must be willing to learn from Jesus in place of only listening to him. Hear what I'm saying. How many of you have heard about Jesus? Come on now, you, 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 come on, you can be proud about that, right? How many of you have heard some of his commands? How many of you have been challenged by some of the things he's said, like forgive your, your, your enemies, love them, right? Like it's better to give than to receive. Like, you know, we're called to lay our lives down, right? Whoever loses his life, Jesus said, is the one who gains life, right? Those things are challenging. But you see, we've listened to Jesus. We've heard of Jesus. The question is, are we choosing to learn from Jesus? Because learners are those that apply what we've received. Isn't that good? Isn't that also challenging? Listen, it challenges each and every one of us, myself included. The truth is we're not called to be listeners of Jesus. We're called to be followers of Jesus. We're called to be doers like Jesus. So here's some telling signs of an unteachable heart. We're not putting these up. I just want to kind of share them with you. Just some things that I've kind of jotted down. You know, if you look at the scriptures, you'll see this. An unteachable heart comes from one who looks at others' faults but you, before you consider looking at your own. You'd rather look at someone else's faults before you look at your own. An unteachable heart, you become easily offended when your error is brought to light. You're offendable. You are comfortable with being informed by God's word, but resist being transformed by it. It's a good word. That's the truth. Does your life provide proof? Right? We always have much to say, but no very little. Much to say about everything in life. Much to say about what's right. Much to say about how we're supposed to do things, live life. But no very little. An unteachable heart. You work well with people as long as you are in the lead. An unteachable heart. You think of others when the truth challenges you. Man, I just wish my husband was here in church today. I just wish my mother was here to hear this message. 
Hey, let me share with you what the scripture said in my devotional time. Well, it was for you. <laughs> right? An unteachable heart. You resist any changes that require change from you. An unteachable heart. We hear the word, but we struggle to do the word. Unteachable. Listen to what Proverbs 9, 8 says. It says, do not correct a scoffer, one who foolishly ridicules and takes no responsibility for his error, or he will hate you. Listen to this. Correct a wise man who learns from his error and he will love you. See, wise people aren't teachable because of what they know. They're teachable because of the truth they apply. They accept the truth when it brings correction, and they love what is right even when they're wrong. Teachable heart. I remember a a couple of years ago, there was a couple that uh, came to us, and they were going through some difficulties in their marriage. A lot of challenges. It got to the point that there was even infidelity in the middle of the marriage, and, and they were hurting. And they were like, I don't know how we got to this point. But before we even consider divorce, we figured, let's try this. We need help. We need counseling. And I remember saying to them, I'm not going to give you counsel. I am going to point you to the word of God. Let's talk about what it means to be a husband, to be a wife. Let's talk about what the goal of your marriage is. Let's talk about how we deal with conflict. Let's talk about all that the scripture says about what marriage is supposed to be. And then, apply the tools that the word of God provides us and watch God work. Well, I got to tell you, as we were going through these sessions, there was, there, was a lot of, there was a lot of turmoil there in the midst of that. There were a lot of upheavals of, of anger and 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 there was struggle and there was even some bickering at times and there was some finger pointing at times but we just kept going back to the word back to the word back to the word back to the word and every week we challenged them i challenged them this week you're going to apply this to your life you're going to you're going to do this as husband and wife listen this marriage was in shambles but this couple was desperate to do whatever God instructed them. Today, not only are they still married, their family is blossoming and growing, expansion with children. They serve in the church. They serve the community. They love each other. They are an example of the restoring power of God when we become teachable. 
So I submit to you a question. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with God because he knows the answer already. Are you teachable? Are you? And if you're not, hey, just getting to the point where you realize it is great because to become teachable, you have to first recognize, I haven't been teachable. It's a crossroads. It's time to cross over. It's time to say, God, you teach me. You help me. And you know, teachability isn't a, a point of arrival. No, teachability is a manner of life. It's an attitude of the heart. It's a decision day by day that, Lord, I look to you. I trust your word. I love the way that song says it today during worship. You said it. I believe it. You said it, I believe it. You said it, I believe it. There's nothing else to add to that. I will follow God's wisdom. I will do what his word says. The next point that I want to point you to for application and reflection is that teachable people are in the practice of seeking God well before they ever seek answers. Let me say that again. Teachable people are in the practice of seeking God well before they ever seek answers. See, Solomon's start was so successful because he was devoted to seeking the Lord before he ever needed an answer. Listen, the start of his reign began with seeking God. But well before he was king, he grew up in a home with a father that modeled a love for the Lord. Wasn't a perfect man, but he was a man who loved God, whom God testified, this is a man after my heart. See, teachability starts in those hidden places. It starts with pursuing God before you seek answers in life. I know that some of us, we say, well, you know, I'm seeking the Lord, and what we're actually seeking is a solution, a solution to a problem. We're seeking an answer to a question. But you see, if all you do is seek answers and seek solutions, are you really seeking God? Is God really your desire? Or is it more so what God can do for us? See, if we're in the habit of seeking God only when we need answers, we are unteachable because we're not seeking the teacher. That makes sense? Listen to what Psalm 111 verse 10 says. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it, who practice what? who practice the fear of the Lord, I'm going to dig into that in a little moment, have a good understanding. That word understanding there means discernment. His praise endures forever. My friend, the wisest thing that you and I can ever do 
is to reverently seek God. When it talks about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, it's not talking about being afraid of God. What it's actually referring to is a, such a love for God that we reverence Him, we acknowledge Him, we put top priority on His ways, on what He declares, on what is His truth, and what He commands. Question. When you're about to make a decision... Does the word of God even factor into the equation at all? Does it even factor into the equation? When you're faced with difficult times, do you even consult what the scriptures say? Do you even seek out wisdom? Or do you just react? There's a difference. See, if you're seeking God first, above all, then guess what? When the problem comes, you'll be so full of the truth that you'll already have the answer that you are tempted to seek. It's in you. It's working within you. And so the wisest thing we can do is to reverently seek God and prioritize his wisdom. Why? Because the scripture says that it leads to good understanding. It results in discernment. You know what discernment is? What Solomon experienced. This is right and that's wrong. This is good and this isn't. That's from God and that's not. See, we have to be teachable. The scriptures tell us that shortly after Solomon was installed as king, that he had a complex case that was brought before him. So complex was the case that the people were astounded at the wisdom that flowed from Solomon, but it was a wisdom that was born from a teachable heart. You see, the issue was that there were two women who both shared a home, and they both had babies within days of each other. And so they bring this complaint, and this first woman, the one who's bringing the complaint, her child had died while he was asleep. And so she wakes up to find her child dead, and here's what she does. She gets up and picks up her dead child and walks to her, 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 her friend who lived in the same home with her, and she swaps the babies. And then she goes back, and she takes the baby, and she keeps the baby with her. Well, in the morning, this second woman who was there also filing a complaint, wakes up that morning and she realizes, she, she goes, she picks up her child, she goes to nurse the child and she realizes the child is dead and upon looking just a little bit closer, she realizes this isn't my child. She confronts the first woman and the woman says, no, that's your child, my child is alive. So now they bring this case before Solomon and Solomon has no context upon which to make a judgment. You see, there's no witnesses, no one was there. And at that moment, Solomon says something so powerful. He renders a judgment that was born out of a heart that was teachable. First Kings chapter 3, starting at verse 24, says, Then the king said, Bring me a sword. And so they brought a sword for the king, and then he gave the order, Cut the living child in two, and give half to one and half to the other. And the woman whose son was alive was deeply moved out of love for her son, and she said to the king, Please, my lord, give her the living baby. Don't kill him. But the other said, neither I nor you shall have him. Cut him in two. Wow. 
The king gave his ruling. Give the living baby to the first woman. Do not kill him. She is the mother. When all Israel heard the verdict the king had given, they held the king in awe because they saw that he had wisdom from God to administer justice. My friend, when we maintain a teachable heart, we are channels for the wisdom of God to operate, and we can walk in discernment. God wants you to rightly discern, to take the lead. But my friend, that happens with what we do behind the scenes. And if you're seeking God just for answers, you're not seeking God at all. And so this should encourage us to seek God for who he is, not what he can do for you. Seek God for who he is, not what he can do for you. The last point that I want to leave you with here today is that a teachable heart is also a guarded heart. A teachable heart is also a guarded heart. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. You know, at birth, we're all born, we're all born with a blank slate. What do I mean by that? We haven't experienced many things yet. Therefore, we don't carry the, the weight of any of the stuff that we do today. I know some of you are thinking, man, I wish I could get back there. The question is, where did we go wrong? Now, frankly, there's the issue of sin. We're all born with a desire that isn't for God. We're selfish by nature. We desire our own ways. That's the beginning of unteachability. But you know what feeds that, unteachab that unteachability and causes it to produce weeds in our life? I'll tell you what that is. It's the lessons that we've internalized that become our internal operating system. Listen to what I'm saying. We go through experiences. We suffer losses. We experience disappointments. We carry hurts. We pick up baggage along the way and we hold on to it so tight that it becomes a part of how we process, how we view, how we filter everything. You know what that is? That's a heart without a filter. We accept everything in life. We allow everything to flood in and we run around with these big hearts. But it's not a big heart for God. It's not a big heart for people. It's not a big heart for anything. It's an overloaded heart. It's a contaminated heart. Proverbs 4.23 says this, Above all else. Tell somebody with me, above all else. I want you to think about this. Above all else. You know what this means in the original Hebrew language? This is going to get real deep. You ready for this? It means above everything in life. Above everything. Above all else, guard your heart. Put a watch over your heart. Set boundaries 
around your heart. The heart is the place of belief. It's where we accept truth and it begins to define how we operate in life. He says, guard your heart for everything you do. How many things? Everything. Everything you do, listen, flows from it. Everything flows from it. Whatever you allow in your heart is what you reap in life, is what the scripture is telling us. You see, we don't operate based on experiences. We operate based on what we allow to take root in our hearts. You get hurt by a man and you begin to believe, I'm worthless. You get rejected by people, you begin to believe something's wrong with you. You get overlooked by someone, you feel insignificant. You suffer loss, you begin to believe you're a loser. You struggle to learn certain things, you tell yourself you're stupid. You fail somewhere. And you failed a few times, so much so that you say, what's the point in getting back up? I belong here. I belong poor. I belong without opportunities. I don't belong. But you see, according to the scripture, it's up to us to guard the heart. My friend, you may have allowed a lot of things in your heart but today can be the day that you say, no more. No more. I'm not carrying this. It's not my weight. It's not my truth. Because it's not what God says. My friend, you can guard what comes in. And the best way to guard your heart is to fill it so much with God's wisdom that the junk doesn't fit. has no place in my life. When you are full of the word and the lies of the enemy and the deceptive schemes of the enemy begin to come your way, your heart is so full of truth and love for God that when those things come, you have no choice but to push against those things coming against you. Why? Because you are so full of a love for God. You are so full of truth. You are so full of purpose. You are so full of everything that God has declared about you. And so as we stand here and we come to a close, I want to leave you with a portion of scripture. Let's stand here. Proverbs chapter 4, starting at verse 4. Solomon says this. Then he taught me and he said to me, listen, he's talking about the Father. Take hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands keep them and you will live hmm. Hmm. I declare to you according to the word of God you will live You're just getting started. Somebody needs to hear that. Don't give up.
You're just getting started. You will live. He goes on to say in verse 5, Get wisdom and get understanding. Do not forget my ways or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom. And she will protect you. And she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Here's how it all gets started. Get wisdom. Somebody declare this this morning. I am getting wisdom. Come on, say that confidently. I'm getting wisdom. I'm pursuing wisdom. Listen to what he says. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. Is there anybody in this house that from this day forward says, God, I am pursuing you. I desire wisdom above circumstances, above provision, above solutions, above answers, above my desires. God, I desire you. Today I decide I am teachable, Lord. Take a moment to get along with God. God, today we declare that in the hearing of the word, we don't just hear your word. But Lord, today we apply this truth by first and foremost recognizing for some of us here, I've been unteachable, but no more. Then there are those of us, Lord, where we've been teachable, but that's faded, no more. And then there are those of us, Lord, that we've been standing at the ready. We've remained teachable, but we've also encountered some struggles. And that's worn on us. Lord, today we are restored and renewed and rejuvenated with hope that your promise is this, we shall live. Your word will not fail. You are not done in us. Thank you, Lord, for that. It's very possible there's someone here today, maybe you're joining us online, and today, in hearing this message, you recognize, man, I haven't been teachable. My friend, don't beat yourself up. It's because you haven't known the teacher. You haven't known that God's hand has always been extended towards you, attempting to lead you and guide you to a better place. Today, would you make that decision? God, I need you. God, teach me. God, show me this place called rest. If you believe that with us today and you, see, you recognize your need for God, then here's what you need to know, that God loved you so much that he addressed the root of the problem. That issue is sin. Sin is not the things that we do. Sin is who we are apart, when we, apart from God, when we, we, we have no desire for him, we have no knowledge of him. It's the result of a life without God. But you see, God loved us so much that he didn't look upon us based upon our sin. The scripture says that God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still yet sinners, he died for us. Why would he die? Because someone broke the law. Someone messed it up. It was people. And it would take a person to fix it. And you and I can't do it, my friend. And so God did the wisest thing, the most loving thing. He says, I'll become like them. I'll come in the form of a man and I'll pay the penalty for sin. I will die to pay the price for it. But then he rose again on the third day, and he rose again not just to prove he's God. He rose again to prove that you can rise too. 
And if you believe that today, my friend, then I tell you, put your hope in God. Reach out to heaven right now and cry out to God. If you're accepting Christ in this house today, if you're online, raise your hand. Let us know that you are making that decision. Don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. This is between you and God. He's calling out to you, and you are responding to him. Let's pray this together as we close. Say, Jesus, I believe you love me so much that you paid the price for my sin. I believe you rose again from the dead to raise me once again from dead places. Today I declare you are my Lord. You are my Savior. You are my God. And I am teachable in your hands. Lead me and guide me. I thank you for a new life. Hey everybody, thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.